Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. And here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. And here we are again on another beautiful quarantine Monday, Texans Unfiltered. I am Young Ari Gold, and I am joined, as usual, by my friend and co-host, John I don't Reed. know about as usual. It feels like I've been gone for like a month, and you're out there, and you're you're making all these new friends and having all these great new little shows, and it's just poor little me, and, you know. Oh, Cody, I hate you. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's been a very interesting last couple of weeks. I mean, when you have a ton of – when you have a ton of time – um, on your hands, you can either be productive or you can uh, you can wait and hope that things come to you. So um, yeah, I mean I've I've been I've been working for sure. But you've been working too. You're about to put up a, a really nice piece, which uh, we'll get into later. Um, I mean I, I had great interviews with uh, Lonnie Johnson and Rashad, the Footwork King. Um, another big interview to announce today. Probably the biggest interview that I've done. Um, but some house cleaning notes before we get into um, just the show and everything else that we're working on. A uh, couple things. One, I am uh, in the process of having all new floors put in the house, and uh, they are still here. Uh, so I think they're about to finish, and if you guys see me disappear through the uh, stream, uh, that is going to be the reason why, as I am saying goodbye and thank you. Um, so... That's one. Uh, two, Jordan Palmer is confirmed for a May interview. Um, we will be talking a lot about Deshaun Watson. As people, uh, I know most of our listeners know, but people on the stream, maybe it's a new, maybe you're new to the show. Uh, Jordan Palmer is the off-season quarterback consultant for Deshaun Watson. We had him on, uh, what, two years ago, John? Yeah, after his yeah rookie two years season. ago, after his rookie year. Um Jordan and I have talked quite often, but uh, just things haven't worked out. He's recently added a new addition to the family and things like that. One of my good friends ended up going to be a VP at his company, Common Thread, and we started to talk again. Um, so he is confirmed for May. So the, the, the point of that conversation is uh, I'm going to do things a little different. I'm going to use the share screen um, option on here, and I'm hoping I can get him to do YouTube, and we're going to break down film together as there's some tendencies I've – witnessed with Deshaun um, that I want to talk to him about. Um, and then I also want to put an end to the rumors of Deshaun wanting out of Houston so everybody can uh, everybody can just go ahead and relax since nobody else is able to put something out there to let people know. Um, so that's another thing. Uh, second thing, uh, me and Patrick Storm are going to be doing uh, a lot of things together. I, we have no idea what that looks like right now. Uh, as we're working on the details of it. Um, but, you know, Pat has a really good following, um, very smart guy, has a, a good pulse on the organization, has relationships um, that are opposite of the relationships I've established over the last four years. And uh, so, yeah, me and Pat are going to be doing some things, probably start off with some IG Lives, doing some Q&A um, and things of that nature. Uh, three, Dane Brugler and I will be talking on Friday at 3 o'clock to discuss draft stuff. Uh, so if you guys have questions, send them to me at james at texansunfiltered.com. We'll save that interview and combine it with John and I's draft episode for Tuesday. 
Um, because we haven't talked draft yet because Bill O'Brien keeps us in the headlines every week. So we haven't really had a chance to really break down the draft. Um, and then do we drop the big news now or do we wait a little bit? I feel like yeah, you got to drop it. You think Just right now? It. There's not enough people oh, yeah, here. we got to probably say about like six times throughout the show because okay. it's pretty cool. All right. Um, so the big news that I wanted to announce on the pod – um, and this is really big news personally for me, but it's just big news for you guys as well as listeners and people that have been uh, been um, supporting us for a long time. We have a lot of you guys that have been supporting us for a long time. So, you know, the interviews and stuff are really for you guys. Um, but this one, this one's big. So I landed an interview. Uh, I landed the first interview um, by any media uh, with David Johnson. So I will be interviewing David Johnson. Um, Sometime soon. We're in the process of scheduling now, um, but yeah, I'll be interviewing the newest edition, David Johnson, surrounding all of everything going on with DeAndre Hopkins. It's funny when his agent responded to me, he said, "As long as you keep it positive, he'll be. He's more than happy to do it." And I told him, "That's really kind of all we do, anyway. So I'm not looking for clickbait." We're not looking to go viral off of a couple statements. Um, our goal is to establish relationships and maintain them, and we've done a good job of doing that so far, and that's something I want to continue to do. So David Johnson, oh, yep. We just got to gotta remember with this guy, and I, it sucks for David Johnson because he's a part of that trade where, I mean, let's be honest, the vast majority of Texans fans kind of feel like their hearts got a little ripped out. Um, but we shouldn't take that out on on David Johnson. He's a phenomenal talent. If he's healthy, he's going to be a great addition to the team. Um, he's If you've already taken a look at his Instagram and his Twitter, he's already a great addition to the community. So to be able to welcome him and be the first podcast on it, I mean, that honestly, James, congratulations for nailing this or for landing this interview because that is just absolutely amazing. Yeah. And I look forward to being a fan on this one. Yeah, thank you. No, it's really cool. It's really cool. You know, it's it's interesting. A lot of people keep asking me no, like not chilling man <laughs> people keep you should be excited about this y'all absolutely um people always ask me like how do you how do you um how do you get these interviews how do you establish these relationships it's funny my day job is sales so i am i am the guy that convinces people to buy from me when they don't want to buy from me so I am in charge of getting responses from CFOs and CEOs all day. That's my job. So it's all about the initial email and the context of that email and what you're putting in it and how you're approaching it, how you're wording it, why does it appeal to them, and what do you bring to the table. And uh, that's what I do. So where I get all these interviews from is from just being a relatable person because at the end of the day, what people tend to forget is that person on the other side of the email or the phone is a person. And that's the one thing that people leave out when they're connecting with other people is they, they, they don't realize that when they're talking to them that that's a person. So talk to them like a person. And uh, I'm just really good at it, uh, not to just toot my own horn, but there's a reason why I'm successful in sales and there's a reason why this works. It's because I like to build relationships. So this is a good one to have. Lonnie's a good one to have. You know, all the other ones that I have are great, but um, really it's for you guys. Like, you guys keep pushing me, and as I get as I get these bigger interviews, I just continue to want to push, 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 so I'll never stop. But, yeah, David Johnson here, and, you know, timing-wise, I'm not sure. And, honestly, 
if something falls off, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Like we had Lonnie Johnson, Duke Johnson, and and John Weeks all lined up for the event, right? Um, I think that's out now. Well, if it's not, it's out now. Uh, so those were the guys that were <laughs> going to attend the event, and um, yeah, I uh, I don't know. Anyways, so that's the big news. We'll 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 talk about it a little bit more later as we go on because people will join the stream. But uh, yeah, David Johnson interview over the next uh, week or two. So hopefully before the draft. Uh, but yeah, and we'll kind of take it from there. Smile, John. Pat says. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm smiling. Yeah. You know, I'm excited to be back. Gonna let James go on his um, let him preach for a minute because he he kind of earned it, and that's kind of what James does. So yeah, dude, we got we got David Johnson. We're excited. We're gonna bring it up probably a couple more times. Um, start if y'all got questions for him. Start sending them over to James. It's not a guarantee that he'll get them in. But, you know, it does make a big influence on um, – it makes an influence on the questions that are asked during the interview. Yeah. Um, Deer Hunter, yeah, I am um, – I'm hoping Jordan Palmer could end up being a uh, – be a uh, live stream. You know, it's funny, though, with with those kinds of situations, it's just a little bit different as people aren't always set up to do those things at home. You know, especially somebody like Jordan Palmer, who is constantly working on the field. Um, you know, David Johnson could potentially. Uh, I'm going to still position it as that. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I, I want to get to know him. I want to talk to him. And then, you know, we'll just, I'll fill him out and then just kind of go from there. Um, boxer briefs are the move, by the way. Just in case there's debate from anybody. It's boxer briefs. Any, any? I think that's pretty unanimous. Yeah, unanimous. yeah, I would agree. Unless you're like seven, obviously for Patrick because he's the one asking the questions. So, so yeah. yeah, Pat's probably a briefs <laughs> guy. He looks like a briefs guy. Uh, all right, well, John, kick it off because um, this is one of those weeks where you put everything together. So I'm going to be interested to see where this conversation goes as I need to pull up everything that you had because you sent me two emails. So I will pull that up. So the future of the Texans offense. So as you guys know, this is the first stream that we've done since the Brandon Cooks trade. We did a virtual happy hour on Thursday, which we do every Thursday. In case anybody is uh, interested in joining, send me a uh, DM or an email or send Pat an email or send John an email or however you guys want to get a hold of us, uh, we can add you guys to it. We had, I think, what, Pat, I think we had like 38 people last week. John, it was like 38, something like that. It was more than 38. Okay. At, at the highest point, but it was pretty consistently around 30 people. Yeah. Uh, which was really cool. And it was fun. No. So we actually got most of our thoughts out on Brandon Cooks. Uh, Cody, I wasn't trying to be a smartass to you the other day, but that's the truth. Um, our initial reactions were during the happy hour, which was great, and we got to hear a lot of other people's feedback. Um, we're going to kind of – you know, it was also great because it gave us kind of a trial run on what we'll talk about tonight when it comes to Brandon Cooks because we've already kind of talked out these things, and it's a little bit more polished. I know a lot of y'all like it when we're not polished, but this one's a little bit more because of that. And the happy hour was just great. There's so many of y'all out there that are just absolutely knowledgeable about the Texans. Uh, The amount of football knowledge that our listeners have blows me away. I would say the vast majority of you are a lot smarter than me when it comes to this. Um, You just haven't got out here and got on a podcast. Um, I always encourage anybody and everybody that wants the podcast to do it. Um, It is a lot of work. It's worth it. Um, and some of y'all actually could, and I would definitely, I would definitely listen to y'all if you did. Yeah, no, um, I, I agree 100%. I, I saw somebody on Twitter 
I think Texans draft or something like that was uh, looking to do it, and I liked his tweet. Like, bring it on. Like, everybody, you know, you guys have the same ability that we had four years ago. Um, if you want yeah, to start. Gonna, I'm going to try and talk to Texans, uh, Texans draft. It's one of those things where if we see somebody that's really active on Texans Twitter, lots of times we'll reach out and start talking to them and invite them on, on the show because, you know, God knows we're going to need a lot of filler this summer. <laughs> I mean, or we won't. Not gonna be a, yeah. Because Bob will make a trade every week. Uh. You know, we should thank him for that. I mean, regardless of what you think about Bill O'Brien, he's given us a lot of material to work with. That's true. Anthony, what's going on from Australia? That's pretty dope. Oh, that's awesome. That's dope, yeah. All right, so Brandon Cook, so you, uh, like John said, uh, the happy hour, we got a lot of it out, and the reason for that was because the happy hour started about an hour and a half before we actually got going on the happy hour. John, go ahead. Oh, yeah, so – during the happy hour, it was right after the uh, the Brandon Cooks trade. Pretty much driving home from work is when I got the uh, notification, and the happy hour started at 7. Um, yeah, a group of two or three white guys is called a podcast. There you go, Cody. Um, we'll have to get you back on here eventually. However, it lined up kind of perfectly with the happy hour, which, I mean, I wish we had recorded it because there was a lot of great discussion on it. Essentially, the overwhelming feeling is Brandon from most of the fans we um, most of the fans that joined us for the happy hour was that everybody's very excited about Brandon Cooks. This is a move that adds depth to our offense and Brandon Cooks is a very solid receiver. Four out of the last five years he's gone over a thousand yards. He's a guy that if you read the scouting reports he comps most comparatively to T.Y. Hilton with a dash of Darren Spoles. It's funny, I was reading his pre-draft scouting reports and his post-draft scouting reports, uh, pre-combine and post-combine. Prior to the combine, they thought that he was going to be a Darren Sproles, but bigger. After the combine, he goes in there and runs a 4-3, and they're like, never mind, that, exactly, Cody, that boy is fast. He, There was concerns pr- um, prior to the combine that he was just a stop-and-start guy, um, very fast into his cuts, but didn't actually have breakaway speed. He goes into the combine, runs a 4-3, and of course, as soon as he gets into the NFL, that's all we talk about with him, is speed, 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 speed. One of the things that I wanted to kind of point out is everybody keeps comparing him to Will Fuller and comparing him also to Kenny Stills, but there's more than one way that speed is used in the NFL. One of the things that is very overlooked with Brandon Cooks is his ability to take um, a handoff. Essentially, I think even last year in an off year, he was a top five receiver with rushing yards. So this is a guy that just adds the ability to stretch the field both horizontally and vertically, as well as being, of course, an elite deep threat. Again, extremely excited about Brandon Cooks. And one of the points that I would like to throw out there about all the moves that Bill O'Brien has made, if you take away the cost of the moves, so not going to argue, definitely not going to argue that Bill O'Brien has not overpaid in every single transaction. However, if you just take a look at the end result and what we have put together on the offense, the offense is extremely has the potential to be extremely talented. Um, ex- um, there's a lot more depth that, have been, that has been added to the offense. Um, this is not just going to be the Deshaun and, and Hop show anymore. At this point, there's weapons all over the field, a lot more depth at receiver. Um, we were talking 
on Twitter about a week back prior to the Cooks trade, and we all were already felt that the Texans still had the top receiving court in the AFC South. Now you add Brandon Cooks to that met, to that mix, and it's a 1A, 1B, and a 1C. Kenny Stills um, is the most underrated of the three, I believe. Um, he was one of the most efficient wide receivers in the entire NFL last year, and he has been for years. Um, Will Fuller is just – Will Fuller would be a number one if he could stay healthy, like on any team. With him, it's always about health. And then Brandon Cooks is a legit number one. And, yeah, speed, speed, speed. Um, and those three alone would be would be the top receiving core in the AFC South. Then you add Randall Cobb. He'd have a resurgence last year. He was routinely called overrated um, or over the hill. But let's remember, last year, separation, Cobb was one of the top receivers in three yards of separation. Um, he was also one of the top receiver in yards after the catch. He had 6.2, which was, as a slot receiver, they're usually put in a position to, he's usually put in a position to have a lot of yak because he's going to be matched up against linebackers and safeties. However, he still had a positive expected yak. Like, he still produced more yards after the catch than than he was than he was expected based on next gen stats. So again, Randall Cobb is not over the hill. He has battled he has battled it, battled in injuries, but he's he's still a weapon. Um, I think Cody actually adds uh, Cody Aldart just asked what sort of impact Cooks will have on the offensive scheme. First off, he adds depth to the wide receiving core. Um, regardless of we all know um, Stills and, and Fuller tend to get a little nicked up, uh, Fuller more so than Stills. Cook allows them to have three three receivers. If one of them gets hurt, then they're all good. Um, they still have the other two. The other thing, like I kind of touched on a little bit about Cooks, is he adds the guy on the jet sweep, on the motion. He adds a lot of start and stop ability. Um, he's essentially one of those guys, as long as you get the ball in his hands, he can do – positive things with it, um, even more so than even more so than Fuller and definitely more so than Cooks. Both Cooks and Fuller kind of excel um, as pass catchers, but not so much as, as running backs, and Cooks adds that little extra depth. What would I add to the offense right now? Honestly, we need a big bruiser as a running back. Um, David Johnson is right now profiling not only to be our biggest running back, but our biggest receiver. Um, he's 6'2 and 220, I believe. He's he's a big guy. However, we need we need that guy that's almost like a hybrid fullback. Um, I don't think Cohen Gillespie has added enough mass yet, especially with the quarantine throwing off everybody's workout schedules this year, that I don't know if he can be that short yardage back yet. So we do need another running back to really handle that. You need one yard to go. You need two yards to go. Who's going to do that? Um, other than that, our offense actually looks pretty good. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Jordan Aikens here in a little bit. I believe that he may be the future of our offense. Um, he was wildly underused last year, especially based on advanced stats. And I think this year will actually lead to more of a breakout. And James is back. 
Yeah, sorry about um, that. They finished the floors throughout the house. Sorry to put that pressure on you, John. I know you hate it when, when, <laughs> when, when I have to do that. We, uh, we turned it into questions and answers a little bit earlier than okay, cool. otherwise. Um, no, yeah, the, all the floors are done. It looks amazing, so it's great. Um, all right, so w- did we talk? About, did you already talk about Brandon Cooks the entire time? or No, well, a good chunk of it. <laughs> okay, well, so what did we talk about with Brandon Cooks? Uh, pretty much talked about the overall feel. Um, everybody's excited that he's back. Um, or that he's been added. It's kind of changed, I believe, a lot of people's outlook on the offseason. They're still, I mean, we're still heartbroken. That's not going to go away, but it's giving us, everybody, more of a positive outlook. Uh, We didn't talk about the national media reaction, which I was surprised by. Um, The national media tends to have taken up this narrative that Bill O'Brien is an idiot and that he's added a redundant asset to the Texans. It's like, why trade for Cooks when you already have Fuller? Um. You, would you have would you have a comment towards that? Towards the national media reaction to the trade? Correct. I think the national media is retarded. Sorry, that's a t- <laughs> wrong. I got to eliminate that word from my vocabulary now that it's 2020. Um, no, I, I just think that they uh, Bill O'Brien's given them enough reason in their minds to continuously just bash him. And so no matter what he does now, that it's going to continue to be something that they bash. Um, I think that the one thing I heard today was from Steve Smith, and he spent a good two minutes and 21 seconds talking about how impactful this trade actually is. And I agree with him 100%. I think the national media just looks for something to poke at for the Texans and – Bill O'Brien is always giving them something, you know. Uh, we're seeing right now that Bill O'Brien was right about Clowney, um, about his market, uh, you know. He was the biggest free agent to enter this free agent class, and he's still a free agent. Uh, quick pause. Uh, make sure you guys go to Pat, uh, Pat Storm's Twitter and sign up for the first responders raffle that uh, we're doing. It's a game-worn autographed Brian Cushing jersey. So make sure you guys do that. All the money that we get for this is going straight to first responders. So make sure that you guys uh, go talk to Pat, do whatever you need to do uh, to, to get that done because this is a great cause. Things are tough right now for a lot of people, and uh, we need to give back however we can. Um, so, yeah, as far as the national media, I just – the cool thing about what we do, John, is – and I, I challenge everybody to do this. Just stop – letting those people force, like form your opinions for you. Go form your own opinions. Let, like Take what they're saying and go and look at it and do some research and look. But these people have absolute – look, they're covering 32 teams, okay? Not one of those guys knows everything about all 32 teams. It's just the way it works. It's, it's hard, you know? It's hard to do. The guys that record on Monday after NFL Sunday and they do every game, they, they, they don't watch every game and it's – full entirety, okay? Um, so just let those guys go. Let them give you something to run with, but form your own opinion. These Most of them don't know what they're doing. Um, and you know, there's a paragraph about, and where I'm going to start putting it as kind of like a disclaimer before everything that I write, why we chose unfiltered. Because we're not, we're not here to be contrarians. We're not here to be pissed off. We're not here to be angry. What we have to... When we were going through the names, the thing that we always talked about is how the media narrative filters coverage of the Texans. Correct. It does not matter what's actually going on, and if you actually live and breathe Texan stuff, if you're 
more familiar with the team than the national, you always get a drastically different impression of the team versus what national media coverage has when we even get national media coverage. So us going unfiltered was just us more or less saying up the narrative. We're gonna see. We're gonna actually talk about what we see. Yeah. Now, also on top of that, lots of times there's a lot of negativity out there just to be clickbait. People, there's two ways to be successful in sports: either be more negative, or me, or be more hopeful. If you're more hopeful, if you sit there and you talk about how great your team's gonna be, you can get a lot of people to follow you. Now, the problem with doing that, though, is you put yourself out there for A, B, and called a homer. And you know what? We actually embrace that. Call us the homers. We are definitely homers. And secondly, you put yourself more at risk for having more hot takes because here's, here's the truth. One team is going to win the Super Bowl next year. Everybody else is going to fall short. So if you say things are really positive, look how great this team is. This is the best team we've had in 10 years. But we didn't make the Super Bowl or something fluky happens and we don't win in the playoffs. Like, all those things may happen. That's very, very high risk. Do you know what's low risk that are going to get people to listen to you? Be negative. Feed into – it's easy to criticize, condemn, complain. It's easy to just dive into that, and that's addictive. Because when one person starts, every single – everybody else can just jump in because it's easy to do. And most media aspect, or most media outlets and most national coverage goes the easy route. The easy way to make money, past the least re- least resistance, and it's not even on purpose. It's they're there to make money. Like this is their job. They need people to tune in. They need people to click. So for the most part, most of their coverage is negative. It's easier to be passionate about negative things. It's harder to be passionate about positive things. So just keep that in mind when you're you're taking some of the stuff in. And, yeah, Preston, if we don't have football this year, man. <laughs> well, according to our awesome president, we will have football. So he's got all the power people on. So if uh, Trump can pull that off, he's still not going to get a vote, but I'll maybe, like, read one of his tweets or something but and not tell anybody. Um, all right, so let's get to the part about Brandon Cooks that I like and, and kind of what this offense can look like. I think – I think there's a lot of different things that this offense can look like. <coughs> I think that uh, that was a cough in case anybody's worried. Um, you're not close enough to have to freak out like when you, co- <laughs> when, when you, when you cough in public nowadays. Uh, oh, man. I was at Costco Uh-oh. the other day. Cough. Yeah, I was at Costco the other day, and I sneezed, and I sneezed into my elbow. It didn't go anywhere, but I swear to God, all of Costco stopped and just, like, looked at me. I'm like, If you cough in public, everybody scatters. Yeah, dude, it's insane. Um so Brandon Cooks in this offense, I think uh, I think there's, there's a lot to it. I think one of the biggest things for me that I took away from the trade itself is just we've seen what this offense looks like without Will Fuller. We won't see what this offense looks like without Will Fuller again um, because Brandon Cooks is basically now another form of insurance. So that stagnant offense that puts up 16 points uh, – a game when Will Fuller's out will now not be there. Now we have Brandon Cooks for those types of situations. So I like that. You know, a lot of people, when I tweeted that out, it, you know, a lot of people liked it, but then a lot of people were like, well, so you're telling me that Bill O'Brien can't scheme an offense without Will Fuller? Well, it's it's not necessarily that. It's you have nobody else that can stretch the field. So when no matter what your scheme is, 
if you can't stretch the field, everything's going to be underneath. Um, I also it's just, not necessarily the power of Will Fuller, Will Fuller personally. It's the ability to stretch the field and take up safeties. Correct. When a receiver is that fast, it doesn't matter if they can catch the ball or not. This is something we talked about way back when when Fuller just came in. When they are that fast and they're able to threaten that deep and run solid routes for deep routes, they're able to not only pull the corner, they have to pull a safety over. You just have to. There's no other way to cover it. Um, why Kenny Stills can? He absolutely can. He can, and he has. And, and he absolutely has. However, what teams kind of caught on with Kenny Stills is Watson actually didn't look for him deep. Um, Watson was – or Kenny Stills, I said earlier in the podcast, was one of the most efficient receivers last year in the entire NFL. However, he was criminally underutilized by Deshaun. Same with Jordan Akins, criminally underutilized. So Deshaun had weapons. However, he he tended to rely on guys he trusted. And was still completely understandable, the dude joined the team before the first game of the year. There was no practice with him. There was no preseasons with him. There was no offseason with him. And deep routes take timing. Deep routes more so than any other route, you have to have a relationship with your quarterback. You There's a reason why there's a – I mean, there's not a lot of guys that can run 4-3, but there's guys out there that can run 4-3s that never catch on in the NFL. Because, yes, they can run that fast, but they never get enough passes towards the, thrown in their direction because they never develop a relationship with their quarterback. The defenses just don't respect them. And it was a little bit with Kenny Stills. Now, this year, um, hopefully, uh, they'll actually get to practice and have a year to build on. That timing will be there. Yeah. And that will – and that will change things, and that's part of what's going to make Cooks fun because you throw Cooks in with Fuller and Stills both occupying the safeties, and good luck. Yeah, I also and think I also think another part of the Brandon Cooks trade that people just seem to over like overlook is Brandon Cooks is a very very good route runner, very good route runner, very crisp routes. Will Fuller is a very good route runner very crisp routes. When you add that to 4-3 speed, it's just a whole nother level of threat. And those two on the field at the same time, it's going to be very interesting. I, you know, I was talking about it the other day. It's going to be interesting to see how this offense looks because if you try to take away the deep ball, all the weapons that we have for the underneath stuff, you're, you, there's nothing you're going to be able to do, whether it's David Johnson, Duke Johnson, Darren Fells, Jordan Akins, or Randall Cobb. Those guys are going to eat. And if you try to take away the underneath stuff, good luck staying with us deep because we have guys that – I mean, what, what did Kenny Stills run? It was like a 4-3-8, right? Something yeah, like, like a 4-4. Four, four. Four, I mean, four. it was right there. not quite 4-3, but, you know, it's still ridiculously fast. And then you got Cooks and then, you know, got uh, – who did run – he ran like a, what, a 4-3-6. And then yep. uh, Will Fuller ran a 4-3-2. So, I mean – like, you just have speed everywhere. And I, I do think that this will be the year that Jordan Akins really takes the next step. I love the Brandon Cooks trade. I look at the trade, and I said this in the happy hour, I look at that trade and the DeAndre Hopkins trade as one trade. And if you look at it like that, it's it's more of a fair value for the return of DeAndre Hopkins. The Texans are in a much better position next week in the draft to pick a top-tier talent that is going to slip out of the first round and add them to this defense. 
So the Steelers ran at 4-3-8. That's what I thought. So good job. I think Brandon Cooks was like 3-6 maybe? Uh, Fuller. 4-3-2, right? I'll get there. Fuller ran a 3-2. Yep. 4-3-2. And Cooks ran... Probably right in the middle. So we got a 3-6, 3-2, so probably like a 3-4. That would make sense. 3-3. Okay, so he's actually, Jesus Christ. So he's actually faster than Fuller. <laughs> wow. No, no, no. Oh, no. Four, uh, Fuller four, ran a 3-2. Yeah, Cooks is right behind four, three, him. 3-3. 4-3-8. So, All yeah. four three guys. Um, I saw a thing on Twitter the other day that compared the uh, average 40 time of our receiving core to the average 40 time of the um, – Chiefs receiving core, and it equals out to be exactly 4.38. So for both teams, um, yeah, this team's going to be fast. It's going to be fun to watch. Like whether it works or not, nobody knows yet, right? We still have so many opportunities to add talent to this team to know what this roster is going to look like. It's April. It feels like it's August because of all the moves that have been made. But uh, yeah, and Cobb ran a 4.4, not awful. Um, now he probably runs like a four, probably a four five now. Um, he is it, what people tend to forget that he's a 10 year vet. I don't think people realize how long Cobb's been in this league. Um, very good route runner. I, I love, I love Cobb. Anyways, when you look at this offense, I, I don't expect any more pieces to be added to the offense. If there's any piece that's added to this offense, that'll make an impact this year. I do think that maybe there's a chance we take a running back in the draft. But outside of that, I think this draft or this this offense is pretty much set. Maybe we maybe there's a guard that falls that we take, and we end up eventually cutting Fulton. So Texans Twitter can all uh, throw a, a parade that we cut Zach Fulton for some reason. Um, <laughs> but uh, outside of that, I think this offense is pretty much set. We're we're, we're set up for a beat a best player available draft solely for the defense and. I think the Texans are just in a really, really good position moving forward. Um, only one more year without a first-round pick. Uh, and, yeah, I, I don't know. I just can't see the negatives in this offense. The positives I see are that, unfortunately, with DeAndre gone, who we all love, uh, we all appreciate, we all, I mean, stand-up guy, second-best wide receiver in the Texans uniform, uh, would have potentially been the best had he stayed uh, to some people. To me, he wouldn't have been. Um, but uh, I forgot where I was going with that. Where was I going? 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 I need to stop looking at the comments. Um, I would, yeah, no kidding. When I was trying to monologue earlier, the uh, I would get stuck reading the comments, and I was like, whoa. And y'all make, and the comments actually make this fun. It does. So that's what that's what's the best part about streaming. So that's why we keep reading them, because it's like, what what great thing did y'all come up with? Or what stupid-ass shit did you come up with? But we never call you out when you say something stupid. Um, I would say this about uh, about Hop. And I know where I was going. Kind of. And do you rem- have you remember the term the Ewing theory? No. So Bill Simmons, back when he was still fun to read, came up with this idea a couple of years Shoot, hell, it's probably been 20 years ago when he came up with this thing. It was called the Ewing Theory. When Patrick Ewing was on the net, on the uh, Knicks, he required so much of the of the ball to go through him that he suppressed the, the skills of everybody else around him. So when you take somebody like Ewing 
when you Ewing finally retired or whatever, I don't really remember because it was 20 years ago, the rest of the team got better. So when you take one guy that just demands so much attention, it forces everybody else to actually <clears throat> rise up to their level. And that may be something with, with the Hopkins trade. Maybe. That's what I'm kind of hoping and praying. Uh, there was another podcast that kind of pointed out that every time a number one receiver leaves an offense, usually the offense gets better. So when Megatron retired, every time Randy Moss left, other than with the Patriots, the offense has got better. Um, really couldn't find out with Antonio Brown what would have happened because the uh, Steelers had so many injuries. But usually when there's somebody like that just that just takes up so much of the offense, especially as a receiver, when they do move on, the offense actually gets more efficient and quarterback play improves because they're no longer trying to force feed that one receiver because he is all world. Now, this is not to take anything away from Hopkins. I, I love Hop. Like, I absolutely do. However, that's part of the probably the reasoning that went into making the move is Hop was going to demand $20 million a year for a receiver. He wanted to be the new number one paid receiver. Yes, he earned it, and I think even, and Bill O'Brien even admitted, he's like, yeah, he's earned it, but we're not going to pay that. If you dump $20 million into one player, no matter what other sort of talent is brought in around him, especially when he had the personality like Hop, when he had the relationship with, he had with Watson, everything was going to go through Hop, like, like it or not. And due to us having crappy, crappy quarterback play prior to Watson, we tried that. We tried Hop actually in his prime running the offense through him. Yeah, he carried us to the playoffs, but we didn't get anywhere in the playoffs because you took away Hop and the offense stopped. Now, the, when we played the Colts and, the Hop, and Hopkins got hurt, the offense stopped. This year, when we played the Chiefs, the offense didn't really go through Hop. Granted, they did against the Bills. We don't get to the Chiefs without, without Hopkins versus the Bills, but that might have been one of those things that was kind of eye-opening. If we rely on Hopkins to run the offense through him, in the playoffs we are going to be extremely limited. And are we going to sink all those resources on one player, no matter how great that player is, the guy that I still believe has a very good chance of ending up being a Hall of Fame-type career? I don't. There's a couple of articles out there that try to defend the trade by saying that Hopkins – was regressing, which he may have. I mean, if you actually pull up the stats, if you don't – next-gen stats and true stats, yeah, his true stats were off a little bit, but his, like, next-gen and the more advanced stats, there's been no change in Hop. Hop was still Hop. He just didn't have the ungodly counting stats. However, as great as he was, you can't run an entire offense through him, especially when we are supposed to have a top-five quarterback in Watson, which we all believe him to be. So that relationship probably had to be broken up. I think the biggest part about DeAndre Hopkins leaving, and people will look at you and tell you you're an idiot, um, and, and Pat kind of mentions it in the in the comments, where he basically was the crutch of the offense. He was also the crutch to Deshaun Watson. I've been screaming for two years on this podcast that Deshaun does not go through his progressions quick enough because he's always looking at Hop. I've shown it on film. Uh, I've talked about it on here. Uh, you know, when when you have somebody like Hopkins on the offense, it, you know, it could be detrimental to your quarterback. 
uh, as he knows that he can feed the rock to DeAndre. But when DeAndre is taken out, it limits what Deshaun is able to do. And for Deshaun to take the next steps, I really honestly believe that DeAndre Hopkins being traded is going to help Deshaun develop better as a quarterback. And we'll talk with Jordan Palmer about it. Uh, but I honestly believe that. I, re- I really do. Uh, Joey Texas, the the big announcement is that I uh, – I landed an interview. I landed the interview, the first interview with uh, David Johnson. So, um, yeah, really big news. Uh, hopefully that satisfies your uh, your cravings for big news. If it doesn't, <laughs> then uh, I guess it just satisfies mine, unfortunately. Um, yeah, so, I mean, like, it's not taking anything away from DeAndre. Um, but we've also seen, like, I know he's only, what is DeAndre, 27, right? He'll be 28 this football season. Correct. So, you know, I know that, uh, that, we're, we're probably not going to see a massive decline, but it's going to be interesting to see how he works in the Arizona offense because they're bringing him in to replace Larry Fitzgerald. Sure, yeah, Larry. Sure. That, that's that's why he he is most comparable to Fitz. Um, you could kind of see this year that they were starting to use him in a similar manage, manner here at, with the Texans as the Cardinals uses Fitz. Um, kind of like a big slot. However. I don't know if Hopkins will naturally work out in that position. Granted, that's what his skill set kind of fits. He's not as thick as Fitz, Fitz, so him being able to block and kind of doing a lot of the little things. But Hop Hop is going to be a good receiver for the for the foreseeable future. Like he's not he's not over the hill. I agree. Home. I agree. I don't think he is either. But I I also don't think people realize how good Larry Fitzgerald actually was in his prime. Yeah, oh, definitely. I, I, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald is possibly a top five wide receiver all time. Um, you could make the argument statistically that he is, uh, but because he is not flashy, uh, he doesn't get a lot of uh, accolades or, or talk about. But, um, yeah, you know, DeAndre will be fine over in Arizona. I, I, don't, I honestly don't think that he'll – I don't think he'll light it up the way he did here. I think that his his stats will drop. Um, I want to know the percentage of snaps he took in the slot last year because he played in the slot a lot. Um, I would love to know what that number looks like. I can't find it. There's not really a, a good website to to look at that for, but um, that would be an interesting statistic. Look, this I had it written down that he took close to forty percent, but I don't know my source. Yeah, see, and I saw like so. I saw sixty-two percent at one point on Twitter. Okay. So either way, let's so let's meet in the middle. Let's say fifty. Um, you're basically but just from eyeballing it. It seemed it did seem over fifty. If you just go back and watch the games, um, just from the eyeball test, and you know, I'm I'm a lazy, I'm lazy. I haven't actually charted a game in forever. But if you just go back watching the games, it just seemed like he played quite a bit more in the slot than he did outside this last year. Here's the biggest thing about the, the Brandon Cooks trade that I think people need to start to talk about a little bit more is just the fact that there is a plan. And when people question and burn Bill O'Brien down to the ground, the biggest issue was the fact that nobody believed that there was a plan in place. These trades don't happen with one phone call. There's usually multiple phone calls made, tons of conversation. From what I understand, they started the conversations uh, at the Combine. So these things just take time. You know, the Rams probably wanted to hold out and try to get as much as they could. They realized that they wouldn't be able to. 
um, and the Texans got him for, you know, a second-round pick. So I, I, I just like that there's a plan in place. It lets us know that there is an identity with this offense and what Bill O'Brien wants to do. I think the biggest thing also that we need to point out is just the fact that we don't – Bill O'Brien is not calling plays this year. This is going to be a Tim Kelly offense. While there will be wrinkles and parts of the offense from Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien's footprints or fingerprints, not footprints, will be all over it. Um, but Tim Kelly will be running the show. So all sorts of things can happen. But when you look at how this offense can line up and how they can beat you in all sorts of different ways, this might be the best offensively – yeah, I would say this is the best offensive roster this, Tex- this Texans have ever had on paper. On paper, definitely. On paper. Now, yeah. what it turns out to be, we'll see. But, you know, Will Fuller's going to miss some time. Uh, you know, I would say on paper, it's far and away. It's just one of those things that a lot of those guys also have um, are, are paper, paper frail. <laughs> um, I hate to say it like that, but if we had a this offense consistently healthy for the vast majority of the season – then they're going to light it up. Like NAS, that NASCAR offense, um, when they talk about speed, um, I'm, I'm not even kidding. I We talked about it when we first got David Johnson. I believe that if you go look at a mix between LSU and the Rams' greatest show on turf, like if you kind of mix those, like that's my gut feeling based on the personnel that they're going for. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Um, it's funny, Dark Sage has a very interesting comment. I, I mentioned this the other day. With Brady departing to Tampa, the AFC is up for grabs this year. I still say New England wins the AFC East, but my surprise pick this year is the Bills. I think they can make a run at the AFC Championship. I actually think the Bills win the AFC East. I think the Bills are a much better team than what people think, and all they've done has gotten better this offseason. They have a true plan that they set in motion at the beginning of last offseason, and they're just continuing that. They have... Uh, stabilize the the environment, the culture. They have a true understanding of what they want to do. And don't be surprised if Josh Allen really takes the league by storm this year because that guy has had zero weapons since he entered the league, and now he's starting to get more and more weapons. So, um, Yeah, I wouldn't say that that's a surprise or a hot take at all. No. That's, that, they would be my take. That, they would be my pick for the uh, team in the East. They're going to challenge the Chiefs and, I believe, us being considered the uh, the AFC next year. I agree. I agree 100%. Hop was targeted 384 times with Watson in the slot or just in general? Yeah, see, look at that. That's ridiculous. 384 times? That's the, Are you sure? Because he only had like 100. Didn't he only have like 100 catches? No, he had under 100 catches this year, didn't he? I'm pulling it up. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Uh, so Hops had a hundred and four. He had a hundred and four receptions. Um, his target percentage was oh, it's a hundred and hundred and fifty targets, and his catch percentage was sixty nine point thirty three. Yeah. Okay. Oh, together so, career Watson's. Career. Oh, career. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes Definitely. total sense. I was like, holy shit, Watson is so inaccurate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> trade him for Tua. Um, no, yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. At that point, if it was just last year, uh, three hundred eighty-four. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Then let's try and get those two draft picks. All of a sudden, those bullshit stories. You know what? Let's let's not call them bullshit anymore. Let's encourage them. Yeah. No. 
Yeah. For sure, that makes much, much more sense. Uh, I don't know when the David uh, Johnson interview is going to be. I'm still in the process of working on that with the with his agent. And thank you, Texans47. I appreciate it. All right, so let's get on to some other things. So we like the Brandon Cooks trade. I think that this team is going to be very fun to watch. Um, let's hit the agenda that you put together and start to get into some of those things as we are already 49 minutes in. I'll, I'll let you I'll let you handle oh, this. Is, oh, this isn't an agenda. This is just my notes for an article. Oh, well, then never mind. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we kind of we talked about it. Um, just about everything on it. Um, the biggest thing that I think we've kind of glanced over um, is just the overall improvement on – on the receiving core, um, just based on things like separation and yak and catch percentage, it's again goes back to what we we're kind of talking about, just overall offensive depth. Um, every player that we added um, fills kind of fills a role, and it's a unique role. Uh, Brandon Cooks definitely has the worst hand, however. We all know what he kind of brings to the game with speed and flexibility. Um, it's interesting to me, though, that Hopkins and Stills both had 2.7 um, yards of separation when they were targeted, which was actually very, very low. Um, other interesting facts when I was kind of deep diving into these, of course, we talked about Aikens. Aikens is – he's he's going to be something. Next it's, year. It's next year. Yeah. It's next year. It's, Next year, year three, is usually when tight ends put it all together. Uh, the way that they're going to use them, um, I typically don't tell people when in fantasy that to get the receiving tight end because they're not on the field enough. Um, Fells is still going get to the, get the touchdowns. However, if you do play in a PPR, Aikens will actually be very, very interesting for fantasy because he's going to be used. Again, he just he's one of those guys when you look at – like efficiency stats and next-gen stats on NFL.com and just about every other website out there, you realize how criminally underused he was and how open he was all the time. And if you go back and you actually pull up the games, because I'm, I'm not one of those guys that's – I believe analytics give you a place to watch video. Like I essentially use analytics to, to see where I'm going to waste my time, who I'm going to waste my time watching. Like, I don't have enough time to consume. I don't have enough time to grind film like some of these guys on Twitter that talk about how many times they've rewatched the game. I can rewatch the game maybe twice. I can't watch it six times. So I do pull up analytics and I pull up these stats to kind of figure out what am I going to go watch? What jumps out to me? And with Aikens, when you look at his separation and his yak, and you go and you pull up just about any game that he was targeted in, you're like, holy crap, why wasn't why, why didn't Watson throw him the ball more? I mean, he is a better player on the field right now, better route runner, and then most of the tight ends we played, I didn't watch every single tight end, but just kind of comparing them to against guys we played, like this is a guy that's going to kind of, he's going to, he's going to, be the guy on the offense next year, I think. I don't – he's going to be the – he's going to be the – he's going to turn into the safety blanket. Like, he's – just watch him a little bit closer. Um, if you have – everybody, I believe, has all 22 right now. Yep. So just go pull it up and just go watch Aikens. Just watch him run a couple of routes and watch him stand in the middle of the field by himself 
and not get the ball. And you will start to understand why why James got so frustrated at times last year with Watson is he would have receivers that were there that were easy throws just standing around that could have, you know, they could have had a camp out because they had so much room out there. And Watson still locked onto his first two targets. And, again, there's there's more – we all – there's the constant Bill O'Brien bashing on Twitter about how this offense is trash. Now, there's a fair argument to be made that maybe Bill O'Brien didn't necessarily build the offense to the strength of Watson. That maybe in a more traditional West Coast offense where you're you have your first you have your your first read and you do whatever you can to scheme that first read all open because Watson's going to lock on to that read. That may have been the better direction to go. However, with this style of offense where the reads are determined by the way the defense is lined up, and the quarterback gets to decide who his who his read is. That maybe didn't always work the best with Watson, which kind of goes back to our original point that with the Ewing theory that maybe him breaking that relationship with Hopkins while painful for all of us. Like, again, I'm going to bring it up just because I feel like I have to disclaim everything talking about Hopkins because it is a sensitive subject because he was very well loved. I did shed a tear when he was taught, when he was traded. I was floored by it. I didn't really cry, but I'm, I'm going to exaggerate slightly on it. However, it may be what's best for Watson, and especially when you have a guy like Aikens who could go out there and, no joke, do a line dance, do the Texas two-step, and still be open because there was nobody near him because he created so much separation. Yeah, I think um, – what was it what, – what was my second question to Bill O'Brien in my interview with Bill O'Brien? Do you remember? I do not. Does Jordan Aikens, this was two years ago when he was drafted, does Jordan Aikens being 26 when drafted give him the upper hand from a maturity aspect in this league? And Bill O'Brien said that it's an interesting thing to look at when you look at the age and what he's able to do. From that moment on, from the day that we drafted Jordan Aikens, I've been extremely high on Jordan Aikens. I've told you guys to watch out for him. All through all through Jordan Thomas and Jordan Aiken's rookie year when all of you guys were riding Jordan Thomas's coattails and you guys were all excited, I says, just wait, just wait. This year is the year that Jordan Aiken's really just destroys everybody and starts to really make a name for himself. I, I, my next film study is going to be on Jordan Aiken's because I've watched all his film. His separation is ridiculous. Ridiculous. He is like a Kelsey. He's a Kelsey-esque tight end. And year three is exactly what John said, is the, is the year that tight ends start to really put it together. And he's built chemistry with Deshaun. That, I'm telling you, just watch Jordan Akins. He's going to be incredible. Um, so just remember where you guys heard that first um, two years ago. All right. Um, trying to think of what else. I think that's really it. I mean, we're going to get into the draft next week. Um, we're going to do a virtual um, draft happy hour. So we'll do one Thursday night and Friday night. Um, I'm not going to be able to dedicate all day Saturday to being on Hangouts. Maybe I could. I don't know. It's not like we're doing anything. But um, we will be doing a first-round uh, happy hour slash Hangouts, watching the draft together, talking about the picks. Uh, who knows? Maybe the Texans trade up with the Niners at 31. Um, but we're going to do that. So if you guys are interested, let me know. I'll put a tweet out, and I'll put some something on the website as well. John, why don't – 
There's still some questions up in the comments. Why don't we, yeah, why do don't we address those? Do it, do um, it. Where are they? There's a ton of them. Yeah, there's a whole bunch. Um, the last one that I got through, unless you want to actually – unless you want to answer some of them. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you read them and I'll, I'll answer them. Oh, you can't see them? I can, but I don't know which ones you answered. Oh, okay. Um, well, actually, I'm going to – because while I'm scrolling up. Yeah, Patrick, I already got the draft hat. Dude, it, it's a nice hat this year. <laughs> They finally got one right. Um, let's see. Uh, what sort of impact do you think Cooks will have on the offensive scheme? What type of what on the offensive scheme? Uh, impact Cooks will have on the offensive scheme. Oh, That's well, from Cody. I, I think there's a, a couple different aspects of what he'll bring to the offensive scheme. Um, I think the biggest one is just the fact that when Will Fuller does go down and misses games, that – the offense will be able to continue to move the way that they would with Will Fuller on the field. Um, I think it, he can be lined up really anywhere. Um, his concussions came from when he lined up in the slot. Um, he's shifty enough to be in the slot, and he's obviously fast enough. I think that with Brandon Cooks, you just kind of have an unlimited amount of things that you can do with the scheme. And then when you add in everybody else, it's there's just there's too many weapons. There's just too many weapons, and we have to hope that the defense doesn't pull another Kansas City wild card thing or a Kansas City division round and just doesn't show up because if that's the case, um, this offense is going to have to score 40 points a week. But the funny thing about that is they actually can on paper. Let's see what it looks like come August, September. I think that a lot of these moves were kind of dictated on the uh, the ass whooping the Chiefs put on us, that Bill O'Brien did want more depth and more speed. Because now, again, it's something that we didn't really touch on, but we will be able to score points in a hurry. Like, absolutely score points in a hurry. Um, next question from Deer Hunter. Is there anything you would add to the offense right now? Anything in addition? Only thing I would add is maybe a young running back, and that's only if the young running back is, is falling in the draft. If a Zach Moss is there in the third round, um, I'd I, I, I entertain the idea but outside of that free agency and draft, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, <clears throat> I wouldn't reach for anybody. If if they're going BPA and somebody falls, I think that they, uh, I think that they can grab somebody. You know, if like a Michael Pittman from USC falls to the third, or Zach Moss, AJ Dillon, players of that nature, maybe Ben Barch, or you know, if Cesar Ruiz slips out of the first, maybe we don't spend our 40th pick on defense. Outside of that, though, I don't think that there's anything else that we could do on the offensive side of the ball right now. Um, odds on us picking up any more free agent D linemen? I think I think we'll probably see maybe a, a, another like piece or two, but I don't think it'll be anybody that we're all excited about. Um, you know, Everson Griffin did an a, a interview and talked about his mental health and what, what he did when he stepped away and things like that, and it was very... Um, open interview, very honest interview. I, I encourage everybody to go read it. Uh, but at the end of the day, what he put on tape, what he's put on tape since he's been in the league and then the year he had last year, unless he's signing like a one-year $10 million deal, I just can't see us adding like an Everson Griffin to this defense. I would say that moves on the defense, and I'm going to include the entire defense, not the defensive line, um, Probably on hold until after the draft. Kind of depending on how the draft goes for us. I can see us. 
I could see Eric Reed becoming an option if we don't pick up a safety. I actually think safety will probably be our number one target. However, it'll be best player available. If the right safety falls, that's who they're going to go after. Um, and I could see them making another – They apparently they've been in talks with Snacks, Harrison. Um, however, it's just been talks, but it's been ongoing. So I could kind of see him maybe if they don't pick up somebody in the draft that they really like. I, however – I would say that both of those are, are probably maybe 25% on either one of those moves happening, and all dependent on the draft. Nothing's going to happen before. Um, I think that Snacks is, I think, still on the board. I think that they're questioning whether how much he wants to play, especially with you know some of the stuff that he's 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 found. Um, Sorry, Pat just sent me a, um, some interesting uh, stuff. I think Snacks is interesting because if we can grab him, we could put Timmy Jernigan on the end opposite of JJ, which then gives us a little bit more flexibility on the defense, which I would like. I would be totally fine with Timmy Jernigan lining up opposite of JJ uh, and then having Snacks man the middle. That kind of that that'd move, be fun. That move alone would be fun. Yeah, that move alone for me would 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 give me enough to be excited about the potential of the pass rush when you consider Jacob Martin, Charles Menhu, Duke Etchafor, and Whitney Merciless. Um, there's a lots of guys that can get after the quarterback there. So it, it's funny because you can look at the offense, or I mean, look at the defensive line and, and the defensive scheme, and it's only one or two pieces that you really need to be able to manufacture a pass rush, and even though adding snacks may seem like a big move, it's really not that big because he's not going to cost as much as you would spend for DJ Reader or any of those guys. But because he can man the middle and also push the pocket, if you can have Jernigan and Watt on the outside and then a Menihue and or a Menihue, Watt, Snacks, and um, Jernigan on the line and, and Martin and Whitney rushing on the edge. Don't forget about Duke, edge of four. Well, I'm assuming Duke's playing, and but I I still think that Ju- I still think Jacob will probably get. Stacked. I'm just saying, two years ago he was our, everybody's darling during the preseason, and man, now one year out and everybody forgets about him. Yeah, but no. remember when he first broke out in the preseason? And everybody's like trade clowny now. We got Duke. Yeah, no, I remember. So now we never talk about him. No, ever. we we talked about him in the virtual happy hour. I think just no, we talk about him. I'm talking about. Oh, nobody will because it's it's a it's a what have you done for me lately league and yeah. Uh, because he's been hurt two years in a row, look, Duke has a ton of potential, but Duke also was always hurt in college as well. Correct. Um, That's why he failed to us when he did. Correct. The potential um, he, is there, but he's got to stay on the field, and this will be the last year he has to really put it together. So hopefully he's working hard this offseason, um, but the things that Duke has as a pass rusher, Nobody else on this team has on the at the outside linebacker. Like what makes Jacob Martin such a good outside linebacker when rushing the passer is his quickness off the line. Duke has quickness off the line, but he also has strength, and he also has these incredibly long arms, very similar to Charles Menihue, just a different position. Um, Duke, I, I would love to see Duke play. I, I really hope that he can because I do think that he could be a game changer. But if you add Jernigan and Snacks, really then you're starting to look like then, you know, if we take a safety with our 40th pick, things start to free up a little bit. So um, I do think that there's an interesting aspect to this. Um, so See, Next question. Uh, before we got Cooks with John's theory, would that have meant that Fuller or Stills would have naturally risen to the wide receiver one position? Sorry, say that again. 
Before we got Cooks with John's theory, would that have meant that either Will Fuller or Kenny Stills would have naturally risen to the wide receiver one position because of the vacuum that Hopkins left? Yeah, I mean, Will Fuller, Will Fuller to this day is still the number one wide receiver. It's just can he do it? Can he stay healthy? Um, Will Fuller has the potential to really be a top five wide receiver in this league. It's just we all know what his issues are. It's just his health. But if you look at the way he's built right now in the offseason compared to how he ended the season, if you watch the videos with him and DeAndre, he is a lot bigger in the chest. He and almost he, doesn't look like the same guy. He kind of his legs still look itty-bitty. Well, so I look, I, his legs looked a little bit bigger to me, but um, he, he looks like he's really putting in a ton of work. You know, those soft tissue injuries are just – they're nagging. They're always going to nag. It's always going to be something. Um, so, yeah, just – I don't know. I mean, I think Will Fuller is the number one wide receiver, but, you know, that could change so quickly with just one injury. I, I do think Bill O'Brien is at the point now with this trade of, and the addition of Brandon Cooks that he's basically telling Will Fuller, you can do it, and if you do, great. We're going to take care of you, and you're going to be here. But if you can't do it, I have to have somebody else in, in, in the waiting in the wings to be able to go off and do it. And um, that's what the Brandon Cooks does. So it applies a little pressure to Will Fuller. I'm hoping he rises to it because I, I'll say it. I like Will Fuller more than I like DeAndre Hopkins as a wide receiver. Wow, this is that is our very first conversation. So just giving you all a little uh, backstory. Yeah, go ahead. When me and uh, when me and James met for the first time and we were still brainstorming and putting together you, this John. podcast, I can't hear you. You can't hear me. Uh, what did you say about Will Fuller in that draft? Do you uh, remember? I do, uh, but I'm you like, liked I'm not, him as a player, but we didn't need to draft him. <laughs> At that time, we didn't. We didn't need to draft him. It was a luxury just, pick. But the growth of over what was it? Four years? Five years? Four years now? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been high on Fuller now for about two years. I, I think yeah. you know, originally when we drafted him, he really was a luxury pick. I mean, there were so many other holes that needed to be addressed when it came to this team, and I just think that his upside is higher than Hopkins. I do. I think he's a better route runner. I don't think he has the hands of Hopkins, but I do think he's a better route runner, and I think he's more of a game changer on offense. And and, and nobody has the hands of Hopkins. That's the reason that we even – Hopkins was a good, is a good player because of his hands. I mean, the strength that he has – when he catches the ball. That's what made him. Uh, the, re- the reason he fell in the draft is he wasn't great with speed. He's not a great – I mean, he's a great athlete, but he's not, by NFL wide receiver stand- standards, a great athlete. He's skinny, but he's just got – he's got hands, like probably the best hands in the entire NFL. So you cannot compare anybody's hands to Hopkins. Now, Fuller – Still gets this bad rap because of the draft, pre-draft, that he drops passes all the time. But when you actually look at his catch rate, he very rarely drops the catchable balls. Now, he may not go out there and make amazing catches the where he picks it off his shoelaces, but if the ball is considered catchable, Fuller comes down with it. Yeah, and we saw last year that Will Fuller started to really start to bring down those contested catches as well. Um, so he's developing, but I, I just, I don't know. I, I really like him. Um, real quick, in from Storm, um, there is a trade pending for BMAC. Oh, no. Yeah. 
there is a trade pending for BMAC. It's all dependent on the draft. It's with the Dolphins. And it all depends on who is available when the Dolphins select at uh, three spots ahead of the Houston Texans. So, not that big of a surprise, considering as how that's how the Tensel pick uh, last year, that trade kind of got it started with the Dolphins going after BMAC. Yep. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. See if it actually goes through this year. Last year they didn't want to move him. This year Bill O'Brien's already stated that he wants to get faster at linebacker. So, that would be interesting. I wonder if there's more to it, because just to move up three spots, or is, I, I, or no, is it just straight up for a second? Straight up for a second. Okay, so we'll get a sec- another second rounder again. I'd be fine with that. If if I think this is what I'm thinking. This is the part that is interesting to me. If uh, Patrick Queen slips to the second round at the Dolphins pick, I don't know why the Dolphins would trade for BMAC unless it's because BMAC fits their defensive scheme and what they look for in a linebacker a little bit more than what we're looking to transition to, which is very similar to the Patriots' defense. They need a big run-stopping downhill middle linebacker to captain their defense. That's the Miami way now. So I could see that. Um, and it was see, up- Here's the thing. The reason that BMAC would be expendable is because Cunningham has grown into that role. And Cunningham is the better linebacker. And he's speedier. I mean, he can do everything that BMAC can, plus he can actually cover. So that's why BMAC still – I mean, we still love him, but he we can't pay both him and Cunningham. And, you know – just is what it is. It's interesting. Um, I If Patrick Queen falls, these are the names I would look at if this trade does happen. I would look at Patrick Queen. I would look at Ross Blaylock. I would look at Neville Gallimore. And I would look at Zach Braun. Those are the four names that I think they would be looking at to potentially take with that second pick. So just keep an eye out. This is a, just so everybody, this is going to be a defensive draft. There and, and the safeties, the safeties in this year's draft. Uh, Jeremy Chin out of Illinois, if he falls to the third, holy hell. Um, I love that kid's game. Hey, Giovanni, tell me about these gloves that you were talking about earlier. You're going to send me some game-worn Jonathan Joseph gloves? Is that what you said? Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that, thanks, Pat, for the for the tip. I think uh, I think that's awesome. Yeah, we, I mean, we've been talking about it for about two months now. Um I mentioned that I, I heard rumbles of that, and I, you know, now things are starting to come to fruition. Look, this draft is going to be very interesting. We'll get into it more next Tuesday, but this draft, it's solely relied on what these scouts are seeing on tape and what these coaches are seeing on tape. It's not going to be about pro days. Those are out now. So it's, this it's could be, be interesting because I'm actually kind of – there's going to probably be more of a premium on players that have actually played. Like, I, I'm willing to bet there's a lot of players that are moved this year. And for draft picks prior and probably even on draft night without draft capital really coming in, in as a return, just because this year has been crazy. Like, there's no, there's not the connection that from the pre-draft. Um, I, I'm willing to bet, like, if this was the same year with uh, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, where they weren't able to go, if they were not able to go in and do their interviews, everybody's quarterback situation would look a lot different. Just because those those interviews are huge, and this year they're doing them over Skype or Zoom or whatever you want to or whatever. I mean, 
So it's going to be a lot, or Google Hangouts. Um, so they're going to be a lot different. I mean, you can even tell, like, me and James do this every week, but the shows when we're in person, when we're next to each other, are always better than the shows where we do this remotely. It's just something about having that in person. And this year, every single draft pick is going to miss out on that. And, uh, and then, of course, the Phantom uh, the Phantom uh, Pro Days. Everybody's running a 4-3 now. Yeah. Shoot, if I had a Pro Day this year, I'm going to run a 4-3. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I also think that uh, these, big, these, these big boards by the draft experts – um, it's going to be interesting to see how this all looks because, yeah, Jeremy, you're super late. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see names that are taken earlier than they normally would in previous drafts because all of this, all of the scouting is done through tape and watching tape and all 22 of the college films and things of that nature. So there's going to be guys that people aren't talking about that are going a lot sooner. One eye that I would keep an eye, or one of the guys I would keep an eye on is Courtney Davis out of A&M. Um, talk about a guy that really wants to catch in the middle and take every hit that comes his way. Uh, big guy, strong, fast, great route runner. Uh, Courtney Davis is an interesting name to watch, but uh, yeah, you sent him to Pat Storm? Why? Anyways, all right. Um, okay. Any other questions? Were there any other questions? I think we got them all. Okay. Uh, let me double check real quick. Um, do you think we'll struggle in the red zone due to the lack of size at receiver? Oh. No. And this, no. That's a g- great question. It's something we actually didn't talk about as much as we needed to. Um, no, because of Aikens and David Johnson. That's where his value is going to come in. Again, he's – And Duke and, Fel- and Aikens. Right. Um, Bells, of course, is dominant – um, dominant in the red zone. Um, he's going to get more touchdowns than Aikens. Uh, we're going to throw that out there. Um, again, Bell's actually had one of the highest. You're going to throw that out there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sticking with Aikens. You're st- okay. I was just going to say that Bell's actually had one of the highest um, passer ratings when thrown to in the entire NFL. Like, if it's thrown to him, Deshaun, good, good things happen. Um, what is what, – why, why are we showing – my new dog. Okay. Um, but Fells, he's still going to body people. And then you're, we'll probably have more t- uh, two tight end sets in the red zone. We may even have three tight end sets like we saw a little bit of last year. Uh, Warring is actually the player that people expect him to be because um, that's how they'll get his, his feet wet into the NFL is just like those limited big jumbo packages. Yep. Uh, David Johnson, part of the reason that he was successful is he's – as he's a phenomenal receiver, but he's also – most receiving running backs are little. Uh, one of the things that's overlooked about David Johnson is he – for a running back that can actually catch and run routes, he's actually a big guy. He's still a big body. So he will – he'll match up very well in the red zone. So, no, our red zone will be fine. Um, it, again, that's – yeah, it'll, it'll be fine. Um, is there any other questions? Another name to watch in the draft while John looks is running back Suwu Olanilo Olanuya out of TCU. Dude's basically Derrick Henry 2.0, so just just keep an eye on that guy's name. A little bit slower. He runs a 4.6 instead of a 4.5. He's slower. a great big body and apparently has better hands than Henry. Yep. If that's true, that, that'll be fun. Uh, the news um, is the uh, big news. David Johnson is going to be 
We, I am going to interview David Johnson for the first time. The first interview as him as the Houston Texans will be done by yours truly. And then Trevor Lawrence to the Patriots next year. Probably. If anybody can pull it off, it would be the Patriots. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, so, yep, Friday I'll be doing an interview with Dane Brugler. I'll see if I can do it online. I doubt I'll be able to. We'll probably just add it to our draft podcast for next week. Uh, virtual happy hour on Thursday at 7 p.m. again. Uh, John, will you be there? Planning on it. Okay. You said planning on it or probably not? Planning. I'm okay. planning on it. Okay, I'm cool. planning on being there. John will be there. Storm will be there. Um, I hope to see all of you guys there. Um, and, yeah, David Johnson interview. I'm not sure when that will happen, but it will be soon. Uh, make sure you guys uh, apply some pressure online and tell them that you can't wait to hear them. Uh, and Jordan Palmer in May. And outside of that, I think that's it, right, John? We have nothing else? I believe that's everything. I'm just double-checking Twitter and Discord to see if somebody snuck in a question that I missed. Um, if you want to kind of kill it, or kill about two seconds. Yeah, time. yeah. Um, these were, I'm, I'm telling you guys, these virtual happy hours have been really fun. They're really good to just kind of hop on and talk with other Texans fans on a Google Hangout. I can add you with your email address. Um, we have we can have up to 250 people on our Hangouts. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm super excited. I love I look forward to them. Everybody gets to make fun of the beer I drink, which is great. Um, and then we just get to all talk Texans. It's it's fantastic. Um, all right. With that being said, uh, make sure you guys go to uh, Patrick Storm's Twitter at Texan Storm Report uh, to ra- uh, buy a raffle ticket for the game-worn autographs, um, Brian Cushing jersey. All of the proceeds will be going to first responders, obviously, during COVID-19. Uh, outside of that, I hope all of you guys are staying safe, practicing social distancing, doing everything that you need to. We're flattening the curve, which is what we're looking to do. Just keep doing what you're doing, and we'll get back to normal soon. If you want to have an NFL season, stay your ass inside. All right? With that being said, I'm Young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We'll catch you guys next week. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod and everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.